Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you were a kid, did you want to be an astronaut? A crossing guard? Sometimes our dreams feel a little all over the place, but we're not alone. In fact, McDonald's created an education platform, APA Next, with all the resources Asian Pacific American students like us need to navigate the next steps or even figure out what they are. With streaming workshops on college admissions and more, a lot of the work is done for us. Come take a look at apanext.com and decide what's next for you. I want you to go back out on that track and hit the pace car. Hit the pace car? Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other god thing out there, I want you to be perfect. Go on, go, go, go! Welcome to Rambling About Racing with your host, Matt Beamer, Charlie Herkes. Preston Lou can't be here this week, but we are here. Very fitting, I believe, intro. Due to what happened this past weekend in New Hampshire, Charlie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Rubbin's racing, but in, in this incident, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not necessarily racing the pace car. No, well, <laughs> and I can see Kyle Busch's frustration with that. They called for rain, and then a lap later, they wreck. In fact, all three Joe Gibbs cars, with the exception of Christopher Bell, wrecked. And now you have everybody questioning NASCAR's boneheaded move, man. But before we get going in there, we, yeah, it really is. Before we get going in there, we want to welcome everybody to today's episode. Whether you're on the Unhinged Sports Network or on your regular podcast platform, sit down, grab a beer with me and Charlie, and let's ramble about racing. That is, of course, if you are not driving an automobile, do not do that. But Charlie, man, how's it going down there in South Alabama? Going good. Long day at work today, but relaxing now. Kick off a good episode tonight. And uh, get down to business here. So Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and circle back to this Kyle Busch thing. This past weekend in New Hampshire, man, what a crazy series of events that ultimately led up to Kyle Busch wrecking out, Martin Turex Jr. getting damaged, and just everybody's frustration after that. And I commend Kyle Busch for not going off the rails here because he, he very, I think, very much had a right to do so. Yeah. NASCAR is going down this dark road here right now. NASCAR is going down this road where they're not listening to drivers, and we hinted on it a few episodes ago, where they should listen to the drivers. The drivers should have an input and stuff. But on top of the car of tomorrow, or the next-gen car, which we will talk about, and New Hampshire, is NASCAR not listening to drivers, or are we going back to an age where, when NASCAR was under Bill France Jr., like, this is my show. If you don't like it, you can leave. Well, this week, this was just a dumb call by NASCAR, period. It was clearly raining. Clearly, this just reminds me of Coda all over again. It was a dumb decision to leave them out there as long as they did. Rain tires or no rain tires, these cars, sure, you may have had rain tires designed to run on a damp track, but not a rain-soaked track. There was just no, no reason to start that race under those conditions this past Sunday. And I believe NASCAR has shot themselves in the foot yet again with having a track like New Hampshire that isn't lit. So, for one, they're battling the ultimate setting of the sun. Yeah. Uh, what 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 time did that race kick off? What, 3 o'clock? That race started at 3 o'clock. 
and yeah. they didn't make it eight laps in until it started raining. Yep. The red flag came out. Now, I didn't get to watch the race. I was at work yesterday, and just the circumstances weren't there for me to watch the race. It happened sometimes. Same here. I had to work yesterday. So. But, however, I caught the highlights, and it seemed like your typical New Hampshire race. Not a lot going on, except for that first eight laps in which they red flagged the race, and Kyle Busch and Martin Trex Jr. got taken out, in a sense. But then you fast forward there, and NASCAR shortened the race. And called it early, which if the track was lit, that wouldn't have been an issue. And I've talked about that on an earlier episode. I think it was a question to Preston. It's like, should NASCAR tracks be lit regardless of what type of track they are due to the fact that it could be weather delayed and we might get it in later at night? And I said yes, and I think he said yes as well. But I want to get your opinion on that first of all before we go any further. Should NASCAR like tracks like New Hampshire in Dover, where they don't have any lights right now. Yeah, but it's not necessarily a NASCAR lighting the tracks as it is the people that own the tracks. Well, then I'll, I'll rephrase it. If NASCAR, if you want your track to be raced on the NASCAR circuit, should NASCAR require the t- uh, track owners to light the track? Why couldn't NASCAR adjust the start time a little bit? TV stuff. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into that. It isn't just like, hey, we can start it early. And I think Dale Jr. explained it perfectly on his show, on his own podcast, where it's it's a um, thing with the TV stations and network, and there's a whole lot of moving parts behind the scenes that we as fans don't know anything about. I'm sure producers and directors at NBC, SN, and Fox kind of have their hands tied behind their backs because of that start time. They can't just push it up and push it back because of other programming going on now. Granted, before the race, an hour before the race, NBC Sports is doing a pre-race show. So they could condense that. But I, I I mean, I personally think if NASCAR wants, if these tracks want to be on the circuit, such as Pocono, New Hampshire, Dover, Coda, Watkins Glen, Sonoma, it might be more difficult to race the road courses, but that's what you, it's kind of the price you pay for being on the cup schedule. They should like the tracks. Hands well, down. we can go as far as to say Talladega needs to be lit. Yeah, Talladega. I'm surprised Talladega isn't lit by this point. I, I think yeah, draw. I, I am too. I think a, I think a, uh, this could be a whole different show, but I think a Talladega night race would be a, oh, a big, big oh, spiller. Gosh, yes, it would. I mean, the parties there at Talladega are second to none as it is. And That's the party I'm not, track. I'm not, I'm not speaking from experience because I've never been to Talladega, unfortunately. I need to make it there maybe next year. But, man, I tell you, it, it was just a crazy weekend all around. I go back to this. NASCAR not listening to drivers. Right after last week's show came out, there were test results from the Gen 7 car showing from a track or a crash test at Talladega that the dummies sustained severe injuries enough to cause the dummies to, quote, die. Now, that raised red flags from veteran drivers such as Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin stating that you know, they shouldn't rush this. This should be a safety thing above all else. I mean, ever since yeah. the death of Dale Earnhardt, every car that's come out has been focused on safety. This car of tomorrow, mm-hmm. the Gen 6 car, and now the Gen 7 car. My question is, the NASCAR shoot itself in the foot for having that failed crash test. I mean, we haven't seen the numbers. They're not really official. They're not releasing them. I think NASCAR is playing this close to the chest along with the researchers. They had a mulligan because of COVID. They were supposed to release the car this year. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they said, no, we're releasing it in 2022. Is NASCAR shooting themselves in the foot, or what's going on with NASCAR here, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's getting too much of a of a one-man show. You know, they're not letting a whole lot of outside input come in come into play on how, how things are ran. You know, it's either their way or the highway. And, and yeah, it is hurting them. You know, I re- I'm talking about the, the, the next-gen car, though. I read a thing today where it was talking about that the center sections can be or possibly be distributing out to the teams by the end of this next coming week. But we just talked about the safety stuff, like as early as like as as late as two weeks ago. So uh, you know, it's just a lot of stuff is not adding up, not making sense in the world of NASCAR right now. Right, you are and. And now NASCAR is in a very big predicament. NASCAR is in a position where, A, bite the bullet and say, Car of Tomorrow not being released till 2023, which will be detrimental to the teams because they've already stopped producing, from what I understand, 
the current generation car in preparation for the Gen 7 car to come here in the next few weeks to a month. Two, you rush the car and try to make snap decisions that could ultimately hurt drivers in the in a heavy impact, such as in the inside wall or a hard impact. We've seen hard impacts even with the safer barrier. It's it's hit or miss. Or do you just say, we're not going to change a thing. The car is good. It meets our standards. Where do we go? What do we do? We're going to release it. So I think NASCAR has kind of shot himself back and painted themselves in the corner, for lack of better words. I think at this point they have to release it. It's got to go. It has to come out next year. Yeah. Now, whether whether they have to hire twice the manpower and double up on the amount of man hours that they're putting into right. getting this car safe and race ready, um, then so be it. But that car, the new car, has to come out next year. Now, now let me get your two cents on this. If if it was your cup like car, say your cup like car came out with a new design and new everything, and it's been through the safety test. However, the Dummy inside the crash test dummy sustained injuries. That weren't necessarily life threatening, but if we ha- if you had a hit like on your teammate Matt there in the inside wall where you know he hit a wall a ton and that could severely hurt him, would you want the governing body of there at South Alabama Speedway to listen to you guys, the guys in the series, over the engineers telling you the numbers? Praise hell, praise Dale. Oh. <laughs> no, um, I think it's very hard to dictate an exact crash and how that crash is going to happen and the exact collision without it being computer generated and stuff like that. You can put a crash dummy in a car and sling it off into a wall, but I don't know. I, and I know there's a lot of engineering that goes into it, a lot of computer science and stuff like that that goes into it, but those crash dummies aren't out there actually racing each other before they get into a wreck. If you understand where I'm coming from on yeah, that. I kind of see where they're, they're inanimate objects. They don't have a brain for themselves. It's the difference between, I guess you could say, racing against a computer in a video game and then racing the same game except with people. Yeah. They're not going to run a straight line. Yeah. You're not going to run perfect laps the whole time. you got got your own pretty much brain inside the car going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to hit the brakes, I'm going to take these steps in order to hit the wall not yeah. so hard. So I get what you're saying, man, but at the same time, I mean, if I were in your seat and whoever manufactures the bodies of the cup-like cars as we're making changes and crash tests go through, and I don't know the process of what you go through or what your car's bodies go through, but if they went through a process where they said, hey, we want to change this and change that, but it was causing adverse effects to the crash dummies, I mean... What I mean, when did you say, ugh, you know, be a little little hesitant to put that? Yeah, ca- I mean, you, you'd have to be a little, you would have to be a little hesitant. You, you absolutely would because in the end, you want to go out there and you want to know if you take a lick in the wall at 180, 190 mile an hour, you're going to climb out of that car just fine. It's definitely a thought that stays in the back of your mind, especially now that you've done caught news. Well, these cars aren't safe, you know, right. crash dummy dying. Yeah, that, that would definitely raised a flag to me as far and, and I don't blame Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin for raising their complaints because they are in a position where they are kind of the leaders of the garage area being senior guys and I'm sure Kurt Bush has raised concerns being a senior guy in the garage to the point where it's like do NASCAR drivers if this car comes out and it's deemed not safe say we're not racing no. I mean, that's the worst-case scenario I could think of is drivers saying, we're not doing this, kind of like a Tal- the Talladega strike when Talladega Super Speedway opened. I think it would be very, very hard for it to get to that point nowadays. Right. Just with all the political side of things, if that's what you want to call it, with sponsors and, and all that kind of stuff. All right, fair enough. It would put too much of a financial burden on the race teams, not NASCAR, I think it would be very, very difficult regardless of the car safety or not for it to finally get to that point. Right. You, you know, you look at these cars and just, they look safe. Of course, I'm sure the cars that killed Del Earnhardt, Tony Roper, Adam Petty, and Kenny Owen Jr. were safe at the time, too. And you think, okay, NASCAR is not going to put their drivers in a position where they have to choose their safety or competition, but now it's getting to the point where NASCAR is not listening to the driver's inputs. 
I don't think NASCAR is being transparent in the testing that's gone on. Because when I heard this, this car is completely ready to go, as per reports a few months ago, the crash tests were done, everything's done, all the boxes are checked to roll it onto the assembly line for mass production. But now yep. hearing that the safety tests aren't done, the crash tests aren't done, leads me to wonder what else are they hiding about this car? Yeah, no, I, um, absolutely. You're getting different stories on too quickly. It's like surely they haven't fixed the issue that fast. Right. So especially since just two weeks ago is when we really started hearing issues that there was a possible fatal issue with the safety. So, and you're like, so you're telling me y'all fix that in two weeks time. And, and I mean, I know y'all were smart, but you fixed it in two weeks time. And you're sure you're positive when you've been working on this for three years now. Right. And, or, and, or however long. And based on what I understand, it's, it's the fact that the cars don't have any crush zones. They're very stiff. Yeah. Which I mean, is dangerous. You want, I mean, you look at open wheel cars. And they're when, designed to and, tear apart. And when parts go flying, and I can, we can even say drag racing cars, if a drag race, if, we'll say a funny car, I think actually top fuel, where something happens, the engine's designed to break away from the body and go away from from the driver's compartment. Apparently, there are not, there's really not that many crush zones in a Gen 7 Cup car which could be problematic, and I'm not an engineer, but could be problematic as in forced distribution between the in, the object the car is impacting for, in in this case, a wall, let's say, even though the wall's giving, all that energy is still going into the wall and not dispersing. Yeah, I mean, the wall is only going to move so much. That safer barrier is only going to collapse so much. So everything else was designed to crush so that it absorbed all, all that energy. If it's if nothing's crushing, it's it's got to go somewhere, right? No wonder people are getting hurt. The one thing that's going to move around that car the most is the driver. So I mean, that's just launching that head forward too. Safety device, you know, head and neck restraint device or not, that's putting a lot of strain on the body. And I feel bad for NASCAR because now they're in a position where they have this car that isn't working out well as far as test. I don't. I mean, I think they should have integrated it sooner throughout the course of the year like they did the car of tomorrow but i don't know why nascar hasn't done that and, and then the the calls they made at new hampshire more specifically about the cup race and the rain and the shortening of the race i mean nascar man i don't know what they're doing man but it's not looking good on on the sport of nascar right now we're kind of looking like a, a joke no, and, it, and right now it, it's really starting at the top it's not like it's in between the top and the drivers it's starting at the top it's not a middleman issue it's it's at the top and after the debacle from the circuit of the america race which we can all agree i don't care if you're a chase elliott fan or not now that race was a crap show from the drop of the green flag with the amount of rain there was and everything yeah. like that it was just a crap show to now where I think, you know, you, you would think that NASCAR learned their lesson with the rain, especially on oval tracks where you specifically used and only to use this, the slick Goodyear Eagle Eagles that NASCAR would have figured out, okay, we need to throw a flag. But it's better to throw a caution and have a little egg on your face than have three or four cars going to turn one. Not being able to see each other and just smashing each other, right? And even and even though even if you're not a Kyle Busch fan, you hate that. Yeah, I'm not a, not a Kyle Busch fan, but I do got to commend him for his for his interview because I had a blew a I had a blew a gasket. And I think when I watched the interview there, I was expecting him to say something to Marty and just go off the rail and go on a two minute tangent, which he was, I think, more within his rights to. But I'm pretty sure his crew chief and maybe Coach Gibbs came up to him and said, keep your cool, you're in the playoffs, nothing's going to change what happened here. Let's look forward to Watkins Glen in a couple weeks. Yep. His PR person probably done said something to him, his HR person, his EO person, everybody <laughs> probably done said something to him. <laughs> you hit every department there in the military, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
everybody in the, everybody I'd that could it. have possibly said something to him yeah. said something. I mean, I feel bad for him, especially starting on the pole. And then you're the one. You're kind. I mean, geez, I just feel bad, man. I I think NASCAR has eggs on their face. I don't know what they could say to in order to change it. I don't think there's anything they can say in order to change it. I think no. I think it's just one of those things, man. Where yeah, man, it's, it is it's what done. it is. Like my Kyle Busch said, it is what it is. It's done and over with. There's nothing, yep. you know. There's nothing we could do to change it. I mean, I'm not for them bringing up a backup car and racing that. I'm not. I'm not for that whatsoever because it might not be within the parameters of legality. Yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms. Folks, going to take a quick break from the show here and remind everyone out there about our online store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles. There you can find our latest show gear such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, pint glasses, and so much more. So everybody, whether you're at your local short track or the high banks of Daytona, that you are a fan and avid listener of in the marbles. And if you order now till the end of July and use discount code tailgate, you'll get an additional 20% off of your order. That's teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles. Or if you head over to our website in the marbles.net under the merch tab, you'll see the link that will take you directly to the store. Again, if you use discount code tailgate between now and the end of July, that's 20% off your order. All purchases go to help in the marbles, bring you more content in the future that's teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles tailgate for 20% off of your order did you by any chance catch the formula one race no but i have seen i guess a couple of posts where i guess Holy cow. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton, man. Dove dive bombed it off into a corner or something and yep. sent somebody for a very scary ride. Max Verstappen, the current points leader, who's just having a well of a season this season. I watched uh start of the race. It was the one race I caught this weekend before we were just busy there at work. And he was going and Hamilton was right on his butt the whole time, man. Hamilton had a great car that that whole session. Dove bombing into a turn. I think it was turn nine there at the British Grand Prix. Silverstone, to be more specific. And, man, his left, his left front tire of Lewis Hamilton hit the right rear tire for Stappen, and Verstappen went flying into the tire barrier hard, man. I heard about 180 mile an hour. He hit that. I mean, he was shaken up. You could clearly tell when he got out of the car he was shaken up. He, you know, was just taking his time. Few bumps and bruises, according to Christian Horner, team principal there at Red Bull. But man, he he took that hit hard. Now Lewis Hamilton got a ten second time penalty for that, which ultimately didn't make a, dis, a, a hill of beans a difference because he still won the race with a couple laps yeah. to go. He passed Charles Leclerc and won the race. I, I think the biggest thing on that is some comments that Hamilton made. Yeah, or apparently. And I saw the celebration, and, and of course, it's his home Grand Prix. If if I were to be a Formula One driver and race the United States Grand Prix there at Austin, Texas, or Miami next year, and won the race, I would be ecstatic. I would do exactly what Lewis Hamilton would do, would have done, you know. And then Max Verstappen came back on Twitter after that and said that is unsportsmanlike and disrespectful. To that. Now, let me get your two cents as a driver. Well, what what lap was this on, too? This was lap one. Oh, no, then Lewis Hamilton's a freaking idiot. Now, yeah, he did get that. Because my understanding, too, is that that was Verstappen's line. Lewis Hamilton had no no business sticking his nose in there the way he did. Right, and it's such a catch-22. Because if that was NASCAR, yeah, I think it would have been that's a racing incident. But the fact that it was Formula One, I think that caused a lot more. Well, even in NASCAR, that's that's not that is the leader's line. That's not whoever's up front, whoever holds that position, has that line. Uh, unless you get that bumper past the right rear tire or past one of them rear tires, it's not their line. I'm sorry. 
you need to back off. Now, if it's last lap, okay, whatever. If, or if it's the last few laps, fine. Don't give them no ground. But lap one, Hamilton's a freaking moron, man. Now, I, I get your point. He's an that. arrogant little prick yeah? for, to do that. Now, I get your point in that because if it were the last lap, that would have been the best racing we would have seen for a while in Formula One. Wow. It stinks for Verstappen. Hamilton wanted it more. Well, and I think I think even Verstappen would have looked at it a lot differently being last lap. But lap one, come on. Right. And and now I gotta get your two cents on that. And as far as the reaction from Verstappen towards Hamilton after the checker flag flew and Hamilton was celebrating. If put yourself in Verstappen's shoes and you were taken out on lap one by the guy that ultimately won the race. Would you have felt the same? Like, man, come on, man. You you won it in a dirty way. Or would you have just not said anything and just let the let your actions do the talking in the following race? Don't I guess the only way I'd have, I'd probably said anything is if Hamilton would have said something to begin with. Um because there's really no point in saying anything. At that point you've done win a whole race. It's it's over with. You know, there's no, there's no point saying anything at that point. I mean, I've been taken out by a car that was two laps down while I was leading a race. I've been taken out on purpose by a car that was two laps down. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I, I think it, I think Verstappen has every right to be upset, but I think at the same time, not saying anything. And then, hey, if Verstappen has to get to his bumper, one of the corners on lap one next race and sends him for a ride, hey, so be it. Within, an eye for an eye. Well, then you're expecting a 10-second penalty and possibly a suspension because that would have been a on-purpose thing. I don't think Hamilton did it on purpose. I think he was holding his I think if Hamilton's this almighty gift to F1 racing, he knew better. Right, right. I, I think he's trying to make a move way too early in the race because he's feeling the pressure of the points right now. Right. And that that was a dumb move. So you put this blame 100% on Hamilton. Yeah, I do. He's a veteran racer. I think he, I think he knew better than to try something like that on lap one. He had a whole race. If he had that fast of a car, he'd have got by him. He didn't have to dive bomb it off in there. Right. He, I mean, those Mercedes are built different, man. I mean, he came down from a, it wasn't really that bad of a deficit. His 10-second penalty dropped him not that far down on the on the uh, pylon, and he raced his way back up and passed Leclerc with a couple laps to go, creating a Mercedes 1-3 and three with a Ferrari in the sandwich, in the middle of the sandwich. But, man, I mean, I, I got to ask this then. With that 10-second penalty, should that penalty have been assessed at the end of the race or like they did – hold the car for 10 seconds during a pit stop and go. Because to me, based on what you're saying is the severity of that call should have been 10 seconds added on to the time at the end of the race, which would have dropped him outside of the top three, I believe. He still might have gotten the podium for all I know. What do you think? I mean, should should the penalty be cleared right after that 10-second pit stop? that 10-second hold before a pit stop, or should that a penalty like that or an incident like that merit a 10-second add-on to the end of the race? I guess in F1 situation, I, I like it more at the end of the race. Yeah, yeah, I do too because I, I feel a, a ten once the cars get spread out, there's very rarely a safety car or a caution flag that brings out the safety car that bumps yep. up the field like it is in NASCAR. Rarely does that happen. I mean, once every three or four races, yeah, it happens at the start of the race. But other than that, it's not a big deal. It, it rarely happens. But I think the penalty would have been more severe had he had that 10-second penalty added on at the end. He wouldn't have won the race. Yeah, he would have crossed the line first, but no way he would have gotten 10 seconds clear of Leclerc by the end of the race. Right. Which I think would have been a more detrimental penalty, which, of course, they would have protested. I think Formula One is way too lenient on that because your Red Bull and Max Verstappen, Hamilton shouldn't have won that race. You should have been penalized a little bit more. 
Yeah, no, I agree, especially lap one. But if, but if you're Mercedes, he did his time, and he still came back and won the race. Leclerc couldn't yeah. even put up a fight. His tires were gone. Depends on what side of the fence you are looking. And unfortunately, with us being race fans, we're going to be so biased against a driver we don't want to see win all the time, i.e. Lewis Hamilton or in NASCAR, Kyle Busch. But even then, both of them were involved in incidents this weekend, and there's, I think we're calling a strike a strike and a ball a ball here. But what do we know? Yeah, I mean, you know, even if it had been somebody else, regardless of Lewis Hamilton, if the roles would have been reversed um, and Lewis Hamilton was the one that got dumped, I think it would have been 10 seconds at the end of the race. Right. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to be consistent in being an official. And what I don't like about Formula One, and you mentioned it about NASCAR, is the politics. You had Total Wolf and a team, and somebody from Red Bull whispering in the FIA directors, the race directors' ears, like, "Hey, this is wrong, and you know why." And Mercedes coming back saying, "Hey, Lewis Hamilton did nothing wrong," and I don't like that. I don't all officiating, whether it's football. Hockey, baseball, where you get where the umpires or the officials should separate themselves from the players in order not to sway their decision. What did you see, and what's the call? Yeah, if you start talking politics, who's to say you know? Hey man, here's a quarter million. If you call it this way, right? Who's to say there? Hey, we'll give you some money here if you call it our way. And you know, I mean, there's kickbacks and and that muddies the water and I thought about that and I'm glad you brought that up because we're on the same page here with that it's like who's to say Mercedes or in this case Red Bull didn't throw a hundred thousand their way and say hey give Hamilton a time second penalty which they took it gave him the 10 second penalty and well they just wasted a hundred thousand dollars I'm just spitballing here this is not fact this is a what if but then it just ultimately blew up in their face because Hamilton won anyway. It's just one of those things where I think it's just downright dirty politics mm. games at the end of the day with Formula One, man. Yeah. Talking about racing and everything this past weekend, had a, what I would think or what I would call a surprise winner, especially being that all in all this year, Stuart Haas has been on the struggle bus. They've showed signs, but – not they've they've had flashes of good runs, but not consistent good runs. So right. surprise winner in Amarola this weekend. It really was, and I don't think he was on anybody's radar. Needless to say, I don't think anybody won any jackpot races from NBC Predictor or NASCAR Pick'em or whatever you call it, or even in the fantasy league. I don't think anybody had Eric Amarola on their radar. I know I didn't. It's just one of those things. That's what this is. What's good about the current playoff system? You know, even though I'm a big proponent against it, there are shades, there are silver linings to it, and this is one of them. A driver who is not in contention all year to race for the championship now, Stuart Haas Racing's number ten Ford has a boost of momentum going into the final stretch of the regular season, where the pressure's off. They don't have to wait till Daytona to get in. They're in on a win. And it just makes their lives from here until Darlington at the start of the playoffs that much more easy. And now they get to prep for the playoffs. No, absolutely. They get to, I don't want to say breathe a sigh of relief because they still have a lot of work to do. They do. Let's face it. That's their, they've had decent runs, but that's their one true solid weekend run. And, Yes, they put it all together for a win, but now the question is, can they carry that momentum on through the rest of the year? I'm going to say yes, but not past first first round of the playoffs. We'll have a special breakdown of the playoffs before I, they start. I know, I know. But, but I know you want to get into but, the fantasy standings, so let's, let's well, do that. Well, well, let's look at this first. Let's look at the standings first as far as the Cup Series. After 22, oh, okay. after 22 races, which means there are four more in the regular season, Two road course, I believe Michigan, and then Daytona. So two super speedways and two road courses. The road course is being Watkins Glen and the Indianapolis road course, which is a toss-up. You could say anybody could win Daytona. When you talk about road courses, you're really looking at the five and the nine car. 
Let's be honest yeah. here. Maybe the 19 throw in it. Throw uh, in I there. would say throw the, tw- uh, the 20 in there. The 20 in there. Christopher <laughs> Bell has some su- success on road courses. But here's my thing. There are four more sp- drivers not locked into the playoffs. There are four more spots open as far as the playoffs. Theoretically, four drivers can bump out with a win, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and Tyler Reddick. Theoretically, with four races to go, we could have three, four more different winners and that's where it's going to be interesting, I believe. Denny Hamlin, I think he's safe as far as being locked in on points. He's plus 283 points over the 17th place driver, Austin Dillon. I think regardless of how you slice this onion, Denny Hamlin's going to be locked into the playoffs on points, probably at Michigan. I think he'll be locked in there before they even get to Daytona, which is crazy to say he's not locked in right now. Yeah, but it's also crazy to say Harvick's not locked in. Harvick's 15th right now, 82 points to the good, which means I'd say Michigan, he could get get locked in at Michigan as well. Tyler Reddick is on a very thin razor's edge here as far as being in 16th, five points to the good. His teammate Austin Dillon is five points to the bad in 17th. Then you have Chris Brochure, Matt DiBenedetto, and Ross Chastain. You don't have... But four more races to get in. Matt DiBenedetto is starting to somehow right now click on this. And by the way, kudos last week on calling it Austin Sendrick to the two car and Harrison Burden to the 21 car. Kudos on you calling Harrison Burden up, by the way. Yeah, I I didn't think it would be necessarily to the 21 car, but I did see him coming on up to the Cup Series. Didn't see it to the 21, but, um, yes. Kudos to you. That's why we're here at Rambling About Racing. We know our stuff. But I I, want to get your intake on this before we get into our final thoughts and start wrapping up the show here. The playoff schedule and the playoff picture is starting to be a little more clearer now after New Hampshire. Darlington's coming up. Then you have plethora of ups and down races at that are going to be a lot of fun to go to and a lot of fun to attend here. I mean, I'm planning to attend three of them. What are your takes on it? I think I think if if it were me and I was a betting man, Hamlin's going to get in. Harvick, if he keeps running consistent, locks it in at Michigan. And Tyler Reddick is in a battle between himself and Austin Dillon. Busher, the Benedetto, and Chastain need a win to advance to the playoffs. I'm going to say Reddick could win on one of them road courses. He's put together some decent road course runs this year so far. And honestly, has been running very good on the majority of the other tracks this year. And unless I just hadn't been paying attention, I don't see how Austin Dillon's got the dang points to be right there. Maybe there again, I just hadn't been paying attention that closely. I think Reddick's got what it takes to possibly win on one of these road courses to lock himself in. And I think he's going to bring it at Watkins Glen. I don't think Hamlin's going to win at Watkins Glen. I think Hamlin's best bet to win will be Daytona. And other than that, his best bet will be to lock in on points. Um, I don't see him winning the other three tracks. Like I said, I, you know, it's going to wind up being a uh, Chase Elliott-Kyle Larson show at Watkins Glen, possibly, especially a Chase Elliott show at Watkins Glen. I mean, that, that boy's dominating that track right now. You could see Martin Truex win there again. You know, he runs there very good. Who won the Indianapolis road course race last year? There was no Indianapolis road course race last year. Okay. That was just the Xfinity and trucks that That ran That was just Xfinity, and and I don't think – and Tony Stewart was supposed to run it. However, he didn't run it because they didn't have fans. So, I I think – So, this will be the first time the Cup Series has run it. Right. I can see Reddick possibly doing pretty good on it, and I could see maybe Christopher Bell winning it again, Um, just like the Daytona Road Course earlier this year. And then you go into Daytona. Daytona's a toss-up. Everybody's going to be scrambling, man. Daytona's going to be a whirlwind. It will be. So that's that's going to be a crazy one. Daytona, the two road courses, and what's our other one? Michigan. Michigan. Ooh, that, that may be a – I don't see any of them guys winning at Michigan. That's going to be a, a Larson show there. It, it's going to be interesting, these final four races. And, unfortunately, we got to wait a couple weeks in order for NASCAR to come back. They're off for – I don't know why a summer break, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the final four months have in store 
yeah. final four months, final four races have in store for those looking at a champ, uh, a contention for a championship. And, I'm, and you still got a lot of big teams out out there in no man's land. And as far as the playoffs go, you still got the Benedetto, Chastain, Stenhouse, Wallace, Suarez, Chase Briscoe. Cole Custer, you still got a number of good drivers out there who are more than capable of getting into the playoffs, but not running for a championship, let's say. You could shake it up, let's say that, because the way it looks right now, Hamlin Hamlin is a, my favorite for the championship. Yeah, Larson has more wins, but Hamlin's more consistent. But let's look at championships in the past. Okay. What got you to that Final Four is wins. Then I'm reminded of Matt Crafton's championship where he didn't win once that whole season and won the championship. Yeah, but we're looking at Cup Series. Doesn't matter, man. It's, he, Matt Crafton proved it can be done. He did. But then you look at Harvick, one, 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 and then went in there and him and Hamlin both won all year long last year. Neither one of them won it. Yeah. So, I mean, you could. Uh, every, I, every, I guess you could throw it up either way. Yeah, yeah. Whichever way the wind blows, whenever you throw it up in the air is which way it goes. Yeah, every season's different, and that's what makes NASCAR so special, you know. I mean, just like any other sport, every season's different, but NASCAR in the sense that every season truly is different unless you were living in the age of Jimmy Johnson's dynasty right there with seven championships, and it's like pretty predictable of what's going to happen every year. But, Charlie, you have anything else before we hit into our final thoughts? No. Did you read the current fantasy standings? That will be in our final thoughts, bud. But if, and if you got nothing else, we're going to go ahead and uh, listen to a Fanatics read for everybody listening on the Unhinged Sports Network and on your regular podcast platform. You're listening to Rambling About Racing Within the Marbles, and we will be right back after this. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to take a moment to remind everybody out there in Into Marbles Nation about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at Into Marbles are the voice of racing. If you head over to IntheMarbles.net under the Partners tab, there you will find a link to Fanatics, and it will take you right to their NASCAR store, where you can find all your favorite drivers' hats, t-shirts, diecast, and more. But you don't have to just stop there. I buy all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear there, and Preston buys all his South Carolina Gamecock gear there as well. All purchases help out the Unhinged Sports Network, bringing you the best sports coverage 24-7 at unhingedsn.com. Make sure to head over to the Unhinged Sports Network to listen to your favorite shows, not just in the marbles, but all your sports podcasts needs, such as football, basketball, hockey, and yes, racing. That's unhingedsn.com. Final thoughts here on Rambling About Racing. Again, here with Charlie Herkus. I guess next week we're going to try to have those uh, guys that you're drag racing with on the show, which would be a great change of pace since there was no Cup Series or Formula One racing that weekend. It, it Give us something to talk about since there's no racing this weekend. No, Other than I, I have a race this weekend, uh, so that would give us a little something to talk about, but that's, that's not going to be a whole lot to talk about. So, yeah, we'll get some drag racing guys on here, talk about the world of drag racing, change of long races to short runs. No, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been a kind of a in the – and this is such a horrible way to put it, an in-the-closet drag racing fan, but I've never really got my teeth sunk into it. I've never really gotten hooked from it. You know what I mean? It's just been one of those things where – it's just, I mean, it's just drag racing. It's, it's a very awesome spectacle, and I'm sure if I was there, I would enjoy it, but I can't sit there and just watch drag racing, just I, quick little sprints. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I think once you're there and you actually you start hanging around it, you, you get hooked on it a little more. Now, I still love my circle track racing. Don't get me wrong, and that, that'll always be my, my baby. But I've actually been looking for me a little dragster. We'll see. Uh, I'm not I'm going to go out and buy one. I may buy an older one first just to have have some fun with. But we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk your, about that next week. Yeah, get your feet wet, man. But it will be fun. Tune in next week for those guys. Charlie setting that up. Really thankful for that. Also, if you want to be on the show with us, I wanted to do it this week. However, Twitter space was acting up, and I did not feel like going through that kebabble again. just wasn't worth it for me. But if you want to be on the race next, or on the race next week, if you want to be on the show next week, 
or the following week. I would say more so the following week since we've got plans for next week. But if you want to be on the show the following week, let us know. We'll send you, we'll send you the Zoom link the day that we are recording, and you can be on Rambling About Racing within the marbles. It'll be a lot of fun, man. Just sit down and grab a beer and talk racing, man, just like we always do. If you don't have anything to do Saturday night, I'll try to get the link posted to watch the race to uh, our races on Saturday night, all the local track racing at South Alabama Speedway. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, share that on our Facebook page at In the Marbles. Heading into our In the Marbles 2.0 standings, Matt Camper leads away with 4,189 points. SMR R&D is in second, Smokin' Woody third, S Blades fourth, SMR Operations fifth, I'm sixth, Charlie seventh, Unhinged Racing is eighth, and Summers Racing is ninth. Again, that's for your $100 Amazon gift card. It looks like Matt Camper's starting to run away with it here. We got to catch him. Yeah, I, I've had a few good weeks, but. I'm not having good weeks at all right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm within 100 points of you now. Two weeks ago, I was like just over 150 points away from you, and now I'm within 100. It's not been a good summer stretch for me. I, no, I, I, it happened, buddy. It I'm, sure has. I'm, I'm figuring out how Ricky Stenhouse must feel. Just a frustration build up here. It's hor- <laughs> That's a horrible correlation there, but that's how I feel. Our driver of the week this week here at Rambling About Racing is Jimmy Vassar. You remember that name? Vaguely. He was a kart driver between the years of 1992 through 2006, and again in 2008 ran Champ Cars, or other known as Kart Racing, the prelude to the IndyCar series. Raced 233 races over 16 years. His best points finish was first in 1996, winning the PPG, PPG IndyCar World Series. His first race came in 1992 at Surfer's Paradise for the IndyCar Grand Prix, and his last race in 2008, Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach, there at Long Beach. His first win in 1996, Marlboro Grand Prix of Miami at Homestead, and his last win at the 2002 The 500 presented by Toyota Toyota at California. He also ran a couple of Xfinity races in 2003, being that his first race at the 2003 opener there at Daytona, and his last race coming at the 2003 GNC Live Wealth 250 at the Milwaukee Mile. Jimmy Vassar, your driver of the week this week here at Rambling About Racing. And for this week in NASCAR, we go back to 1977. On July 16th, scoring problems marred Darrell Waltrip's victory in the Nashville 420 at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Richard Petty is flagged in second place, but three days later he dropped to third place two laps off the pace. Could you imagine that these days if they said, well, we have a scoring problem and you have to rely on the scores in the stands? Not in the stands, but in the infield, keeping track of the scores, because they still do that. And just how much of a cabobble that would be. In a, a NASCAR, Man, that, NASCAR, that would be NASCAR has egg on their face now. Imagine them having scoring issues. Yeah, and getting it wrong. Right, because you know everybody's filming it and so many mm-hmm. pictures out there right now and the technology they have, they could sell it, but... It doesn't even matter who made it to the line first. If like if he was two laps down, they missed that. He's not the race winner. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine the hell fire that would bring, man. But Charlie, thanks for showing up to the show, man. Really do appreciate yeah. it. It's a short episode. We're coming up on our hundredth episode. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. I, I can't, especially since it was like the the third or fourth was like the first one I was ever on when we were at the Roval race in mm-hmm. Charlotte. We had a lot of fun doing this. Hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what you think about the whole show. If you have any comments on what using hashtag what you think ITM on Twitter and Facebook to let us know what you thought of the episode as well as maybe more topics that we could bring up later on. Again, if you want to be part of the show, drop us a line on social media platforms such as Facebook and Twitter, and we will get back to you saying when we're going to record and all that. We'll be more than happy on the show. But, Charlie, do you have anything else before we wrap it up here? No, not at all. Um, glad to be here. Glad to get to talk to everybody. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed the show and, and can't wait to do it again next week. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a fun episode. Make sure to tune in next week because we're going to have those guys that Charlie Drag races with, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun and very educational show. 
I think, eye-opening show. But uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. Absolutely, Def- definitely eye-opening. Because, uh, like I said, there's many different drag racing series, I guess would be, or types of drag racing than it is just first one to the end. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's weird. We'll, we'll let them explain it all. Though. Yeah, so, I, I think they will better be better at explaining it. Hopefully yeah, Preston I, will be here next week and finally get him back in the studio into the, the swing of things into the thick of it, as TikTok would say. Thick of it. But Charlie, <laughs> but Charlie, man, if you got nothing else here, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to us this week here at Rambling About Racing within the Marvels. Your home for the best racing coverage at, or at least the racing opinions that we could think of based on the weekend's events. I'd like to thank Charlie Herkes for being on the show again. And if you head over to InTheMarbles.net, you'll have links to all of our social media profiles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to stay in contact with us. For Charlie Herkes, Preston Lude, who's not here, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us this week. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.